from, Joseph? South Shields. Ethel. Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. But let me be clear. I enjoy cooking bacon and stop working with flour. This is Your Welcome America, the podcast that explains what the bloody hell Brits are banging on about. In every episode, we translate British pop culture for America and American pop culture for Britain. You're welcome. welcome. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Are you feeling festive, babes? Oh, sure am. So festive. Last ep of the year. Ooh. We're sitting here in the shadows of my Christmas tree. Yeah. One I helped you decorate. You did. <laughs> it was very nice of because you. Because I'm back living in your spare room. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like ending a year essentially homeless. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Very kind of... Uh, very, very kind of nativity scene, actually. Yes, very much so. Wait a minute, are you Jesus? Are you Mary? I'd be Mary on the back of a donkey. Okay. <laughs> and you're the innkeeper that's let me sleep in your manger. Yeah, I'm like, there's no room in the inn, but get in the garage. That's basically it. Um, what are you doing this week? What are you doing for, for Christmas? For Crimbo? Well, for Crimbo, I am staying here in L.A., and it's going to be very strange because I'm basically dog sitting for our friend, um, our friends. I'm looking after Hank, the dog. So I will be spending Christmas Day in L.A. by myself with a dog. I don't know if you heard that, but that was just the sound of our neighbors laughing. It's almost like they heard your situation. <laughs> can they hear? How can we hear them laughing from I here? I don't know. Very loud. <laughs> They're really mocking you. Um, well, that sounds nice. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I've got a big plan just to kind of... You know, you know how kind of family Christmas can be lovely, but very stressful. Mm -hmm. I really love the fact that I basically get to FaceTime my family in the morning because of the time difference. Get it out of the way. And then the whole rest of the day, I can basically just like drink like a few bottles of red wine alone, watch Christmas movies. Oh God. Dance around with Hank, take him for a little Christmas walk. When you said a few bottles of red wine, that sounds, this is really getting bleaksville. How many, what are we talking here? Oh, I think over the course of a day, I could probably put away one and a half, maybe two. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, and we should say Fraser doesn't do that every day or like any other day of the year, really. It's a special occasion. Special occasion. What you could do is in the afternoon, you could take Hank the dog for a walk and you can just like tip your, your cap at fellow kind of Christmas day walkers. Yes, exactly. You know? I thought you meant it was going to be more like a Victorian Christmas. Just doff my cap at other people in the street like a Scrooge. Uh, well, I mean, are you the Scrooge in this situation? <laughs> I hope not. No, I don't have to learn anything about myself. I'm great. Um, <laughs> what are you doing for Christmas? Um, I'm going with my husband. Okay. Um, to Idaho. Oh. <laughs> What kind of reaction was that? Well, actually, anytime I've told people in my office, uh, actual Americans, I'm going to Idaho, they're all like, oh. And I'm like, no, it's actually, where we go is really, really lovely. So it will be in the mountains where Jessie's sister lives. There will be snow everywhere. Ooh. And uh, we'll be doing some skiing. In previous years when I went, I went uh, on a snowmobile for the first time. Oh, wow. It was pretty fun. I ate some moose. Oh. I ate some elk. Oh. So we just, we really did it. What's a moose like? Gamey. <laughs> and, and we're taking Fabio with us. Oh my God. So we had to do a trial run the other week of um, uh, Fabio 
eating a quarter of a Benadryl just to sort of slightly <laughs> knock him out. Because the flight, I'm really nervous about him flying. Right. Yeah. So you have to go in his little case, which he hates, and we'll have to shove him under the seat. He's going to be furious. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, so that's going to be my, my Christmas week. And then I'll be back here in L.A. And then we can spend New Year's Eve together. Oh, my God. <gasps> just how we how my L.A. journey began. And ended. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> am, I, am I going home after New Year's? That sounded like I was, you're either going home after New Year's or I'm going to kill you on yeah. New Year's Eve. Either could be an option. Yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, so in every episode, we tackle a British topic and an American topic, and we translate them uh, back and forth. This is our festive Christmas edition. Yeah, very so festive. We're going to be doing a couple of topics, but before we do that, we should do some feedback. Some festive feedback. Festive feedback. Okay, here's some feedback. Podcast nemesis Michael here. <laughs> Talking of Scrooge, there he is. <laughs> Lloyd Grossman is the UK's Lisa Vanderpump. That's not a bad shout at all. He's got those sources. He's, <laughs> he's turned a TV career into a culinary career. C- culinary empire. Yeah. There was a period of time when Lloyd Grossman used to be the voice of the lift translation elevator in Covent Garden in London. Oh, so in the, tu- were, the tube station. In the tube station. So as you would come up and he'd be, because he had a very distinctive voice. And I remember it would, he'd be like, turn left as you get out of the lift to look at the piazza. Ooh. Yeah. I haven't done my Lord Grayspin for a while. It's a bit rusty. It's pretty good. Um, okay, we've got Disco Drive Through saying, Poddy and a Chalky is what he'll be doing from now on. Just in reference to Chalky and a Mag. Oh, lovely. Poddy and a Chalky. Love that Disco Drive Through. Let's keep it going. Um, someone called Denise Welsh says, Amazing. Can't wait to listen. Oh. <laughs> Just our showbiz pal, Dens. Don't worry about it, everyone. Dens. Um, uh, um, I've got a little bit of Christmassy feedback from uh, Niall in London. Actually relating to an older episode, but it's very pertinent for Christmas. He reports back from the field that prawn rings are still available in Iceland and they cost four pounds. Oh. So Niall, if you want to, obviously you purchased a prawn ring because you're a classy gentleman like that. If you want to just give us some feedback on how those prawn rings tasted. Thanks. Please do. Um, we had Kate in London. She said, those M&S tubs make me livid. And then she said in quotes, <laughs> guys, I bought those tubs. Ugh. <laughs> and then she said... Then she says, they are every office ever. (laughs) She's got a point. She does have a point. Because do you know what? Those tubs, those plastic tubs, they travel very well. You can buy them, bung them in your bag, take them to work. Well, they're the Colin the Caterpillar of just general celebrations. Well, I said to her... That's how I feel about Colin the Caterpillar Cakes. Well, there you go. There we go. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. And I got just a bit of, you know, a bit of lovely positive feedback from a new listener. Uh, Jash01 on Instagram uh, said, OMG, you boys are brilliant. I'll take that. As an American living in London and working with an all-British team, you've instantly upped my credibility when I was able to walk into the office talking about Scouser's Blind Date and Liverpool women with rollers in their hair. <laughs> You're welcome, Jash01. Always nice to get like a compliment from someone we genuinely do not know. Yeah, not just one of our friends. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for that. Keep listening. And uh, that was our feedback. Festive feedback. Sorry, festive feedback. And we're back doing the American topic this week is Ben. What are you going to do? So it's our festive special. Yeah. We're both going to do festive movies. Yep. So I have the American one, and it is The Muppet Christmas Carol. (laughs) 
the very American movie that is the Muppet Christmas Carol. Confusing. Confusing. A little confusing. I think it it really, you know, breaks down borders, much like this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, Muppet Christmas Carol came out in 1992. Its description on Wikipedia is musical fantasy comedy drama. I'd I'd say that. Yeah, pretty Um, good. You know, romance. Bit of (laughs) sci-fi. Drama. Yeah. Um... (laughs) It was the first movie, the first Muppet movie made without Jim Henson around, R.I.P. Um, and it was filmed in Shepperton Studio in the UK. <laughs> Chilly, drizzly, bleak. <laughs> Making it, yet again, a great American topic. Great American <laughs> movie that is The Muppet Christmas Carol. Growing up, I watched this movie every year. I, I like to watch it on Christmas Eve. Ah. Yeah. Although we cheated this year and we actually watched it a few days ago. Yeah, you and me watched it together. Um, I also, as a kid, would watch this every single year. It's it's the it's my number one Christmas movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I love it. It is it is a very good movie. Um, I made notes while we watched it the other night. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, but Muppet Christmas Carol is just the story of a Christmas carol. But yeah. the Muppets are in it. So, um, some real highlights for me. Just the opening credits, when it says, Miss Piggy starring as Emily Cratchit. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Piggy starring as someone called Emily. (laughs) Strange role for her. Isn't she always Miss Piggy in the movies? Or does she have a different name in the other movies? Well, isn't there one where she's playing that that Anna Winter type character? (laughs) Yeah, but I thought that was because she's Miss Piggy running a magazine. Um, I'm going to need to look into that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I need to delve further. I feel like it's the first time I've ever seen the Muppets as different people. Yes. <laughs> Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit. Exactly. <laughs> um, a real shout out to Michael Caine. Oh. I know he's a listener. But he, um, I read somewhere that he decided to, to play it very straight and uh, act as if he was doing something with the Royal Shakespeare Company. What, do you know what? Genuinely, that gives it like a, a weird sense of gravitas. Because obviously around him, there's just so much nonsense happening in it. <laughs> he's, he's, he's very good. I'm going to go out there and say his best role ever. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, tell me another tell me another movie that he's done. What? Not just that it's better, just another movie that he's what done. What has he done? Well, I'm going to list some of his best credits that I can remember. He's in um, Jaws 4, Jaws 3, Jaws 3, The Revenge. Oh, this is Future Fraser. I know it's Jaws 4. The Revenge. I will call it Jaws 3 for the rest of this podcast. Get over it. Who cares? And fun fact about that movie, <laughs> he he thinks it's a shit movie, but he did it so he could like buy, like build a conservatory in his house. Yes. And he also, um, when he, he got nominated for an Oscar and he couldn't go and accept his Oscar because he was filming reshoots for Jaws 3. <laughs> oh, that contractual <laughs> obligation. Okay, I'm actually just going to do Michael Caine IMDb. Because so, so are you just like, are you telling me that Two, you know, great film buffs like you and me who love, you know, classic actors like Michael Caine. The only movies we can remember are The Muppet Christmas Carol and Jaws 3. Well, I also know he's currently shooting that that new version of Oliver that's just called Twist. Oh, where Rita Ora plays the Artful Dodger. Yes. <laughs> A character I think just called Dodge. Wait, okay. Um, Michael Caine. What has he been in? He's Turns out he's been in a lot. Who knew? Not us. Um... I just don't think I've Dunkirk. I never saw that. No. Uh, Interstellar. Don't remember in that. Didn't watch it. It was it was loud. Um, the Dark Knight Rises. Oh, oh yes, Alfred. Okay, fine. <laughs> Third in the list: Muppets Christmas Carol, Jaws three, 
the Dark Knight series. He was in the reboot of Bewitched, the movie with um, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. I don't think I ever saw. <gasps> Doesn't he play an old gay in *Is Congeniality*? Yes, he's Victor Melling. Well, That's... I mean, again, bumping down. <laughs> okay, so so far we've remembered all of his classic roles. <laughs> yes. So really. Yeah, Muppet Christmas Carol. I think we've just proved it is his best role of yeah. all time. Yeah. Um, okay, other shout-outs from the movie. We realised that the the character of Fred, his nephew Fred, just <laughs> is the worst. Fred and Clara. Oh, Fred and Clara. So pleased with themselves, playing that nasty, nasty game behind his back. I know. Something, that... I mean, that's something we would do. <laughs> oh, you think we're the Fred and Clara of our group? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Are you Fred or Clara? You're Fred, and I'm Clara. You're the nasty one, and then I'm just kind of tittering next to you with some, like, you know... <laughs> some ringlets. Some loose ringlets around my face. <laughs> Glued onto the side of your head. Oh, Ben, you're so bad. <laughs> um, now, you gave me a great Hollyoaks fact about the Muppets Christmas Carol. Please, oh, yeah. please share. So, the, the voice of the ghost of Christmas past is Nancy from Hollyoaks as a little girl. Now, can you confirm that? I mean, the thing is, it's not going to say, it's not going to credit her as like, oh, Nancy, Nancy from, from Hollyoaks. Mm. Jessica Fox. Yeah, that's her. Yes, we can confirm that the voice of the ghost of Christmas past is Jessica Fox, who plays Nancy in Hollyoaks. <laughs> to this day, by the looks of things, she's still in Hollyoaks. Oh yeah, she's still going strong. What would you say is your favorite like moment in the movie? Um, I really like the party at Fozzywig's <gasps> factory. Oh, the rubber chicken factory. Just, uh, yeah, just because I like the, the all the characters that are in that scene. Like, I love Animal, and he's playing the drums. Um, Jesse pointed out that Janice is playing... She plays two instruments in that band she at Fozzywig's factory. She plays a trombone, and then what... Is it like a violin or something? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, I just like Fozzywig as well. Oh, Fozzy Bear is one of my favourite characters. They show Rolf on the piano. I like that scene. Also, that's when... Um, Scrooge is looking back at his younger self when he his younger self working at the factory and he's really sexy. Mm. Like sexy Scrooge. So I like that whole scene. I like that whole set piece. Well, do you remember when, when we were watching it, I kept pointing out to you that there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of the moments as a child that I thought I was really sophisticated because I got the joke and I thought other kids didn't get the joke. Yeah. So, you know, when Scrooge shouts at the rats that work in his office and they're asking for more coal because they're cold and he screams at them and then they're all in their tropical outfits and they're like, heat wave. I remember thinking like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, the joke there is that they were complaining about the cold, but because you shouted, they said they were hot. And I was always like, oh, other people don't get that. What was the other one that was like that? Wasn't oh, in the, in the school scene, yeah. wasn't so, there one? Yes. So in the school scene, that was the other one. I was always very pleased with myself when Sam the Eagle goes, it is the American way. And then Gonzo whispers in his ear and he goes, oh, it is the British way. And I was like, oh, again, guys, the joke here is that actually the Muppets are American, but are telling a British story. <laughs> it's very meta. A- I love those meta moments where you could just look through the screen. I've always been a scholar of film, young, as young, judged by my Michael Caine knowledge. Young Fraz, a real sophisticate when it comes to motion Well, you pictures. know, I was just watching it in my cravat with a little, you know, martini of an evening. When you watch... Mother, this- put on <laughs> Muppet's Christmas Carol again. I'm going to take get my jokes the other kids don't understand. Oh, pop in the VHS. I hope it's rewound. <laughs> 
Um, did you watch it by yourself as a kid? Um, yeah, mostly. My brother didn't care for it, so it was yeah, always likewise. just it was my special thing. Isn't that nice that I feel like we were both watching it by ourselves, not knowing each other as kids? Yeah, exactly. We it's, should have known each other. Yeah. In like a Muppet Baby style reboot of our lives, <laughs> we could have known each other and be doing this as babies. <laughs> that that will be one of our new podcasts next year. You're welcome, America. The prequel, uh, babies, babies. babies. <laughs> What's, um, what's your favourite moment from the movie? I think, uh, I, well, weirdly, I really love the end shot when they're all singing Love We Found and they, they zoom out and you can see, it's like all the Muppets, but you see two lobsters just oh, in the window yeah. singing. And you, were very, you were very, you were like, the lobsters, look at the lobsters. I just love the fact that at that point they're like, oh, everyone, just on you go. It's fine. Like two lobsters in a, in a window of a, a London, I don't know, tenement from way back when. Um, I really like that. I think in general, Miss Piggy is amazing. Oh, in it. I mean, you know, where Michael Caine might shine as the straight man, <laughs> Miss Piggy's more just like the core and the heart and the strength of the movie. Yeah, she's the acting talent of that she, movie. She's she's really got. Oh, I was going to say something really awful. Shit. Um, <laughs> what were you going to say? She's got the chops, the lamb chops. I'm like, no, she's not a lamb. She's a pig. Would there be pork chops? Oh. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. No, don't keep that in. <laughs> don't. Yeah, so Miss Piggy, she is just wonderful. I tell you what, do not like Tiny Tim. Oh, <laughs> We were both very vocal about our dislike of Tiny Tim. He's just such a downer. Such a sap. Although I do love the joke where at the end um, and uh, Gonzo comes back and they're like, and Tiny Tim, who did, did not, not die. die. <laughs> love that. Um, also, just something that we noticed that I pointed out to you. Some of the world's most present extras Human extras. Oh, remember? really, really <laughs> working for it. So just if anyone's watching it this festive season, just look for the little moment just at the end where Scrooge comes out of his office and he's all happy. There is the most present extra you'll ever see. This woman that stands as close to him as she possibly can with her mouth like agape. Just look out for her. She's a real special moment. Um, I found a thing where it's like uh, 14 facts about the Muppets Christmas Carol. Do you want to hear Ooh, some? Yes, please. Scooter was booted from a major role. <laughs> Was he meant to play Scrooge? So he was originally supposed to appear as a ghost of Christmas past, but then what's your name from Hollyoaks? Nancy. They met. Na- they saw an episode <laughs> of Hollyoaks and they were like, wait. Um, so yeah, so Miss Piggy and Gons were also considered for the ghost of Christmas past and yet to come. However, this idea was scrapped in favour of new Muppet creations that could better underline the ominous nature of the story. That's fair. That's fair, because the ghost of Christmas future yet to come is so scary. Bleak a leak. Now, here's a fact we do know. When Love is Gone, the song was cut from the theatrical release. Now, we had a big discussion about this the other day. Well, shout out to my friend Emily, who loves that song. She's the only person in the world, and she knows every single word to it. And we went to a uh, sing-along screening of this uh, Muppet Christmas Carol in London a few years ago. And um, much to Emily's delight and everyone else's disdain, at the end of the movie, they did just a sing-along version of just that song that had been cut from the movie and we all had to sing along with it. Oh. Very annoying. Well, yeah, I always remember watching it in VHS as a kid and then, but always forwarding it. Oh yeah, it's so boring. So like, I, I feel like we were doing, we were editing as a young Well, I will kids. say the, the, the cut that they've done, the edit they've done doesn't really make any sense. Like scrooge and bell like a kind of arguing and then they just walk past gonzo and rizzo and they're both crying gonzo and rizzo are like oh it's so sad like you don't really get the idea that they've broken up yeah they should have done i tell you what they need to go back and do some reshoots of that scene <laughs> and insert just like a breakup scene that's what i think i think that's great if he's not if if he's not busy doing reshoots from jaws still <laughs> <laughs> okay here's another good fact that i just read fred did not lose his wife 
What? So Fred, we were just bitching about earlier, Fred and his wife, Clara. Okay. In the final Christmas feast scene, yes. sharp-eyed viewers may have noticed that Clara Scrooge's is nephew Fred is present, but his wife Clara is not. <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was for space because she was so Those annoying. ringlets. Those ringlets took up a room. <laughs> In the DVD commentary, Henson shared that he received letters demanding to know what happened to Fred's better half. The simple answer is that just playing her wasn't available to shoot that day. Oh. oh okay. She was one of the mums in the in-betweeners. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact. Um, I think those were the main things I had to say about Muppet Christmas Carol. I mean, it's, it is just a genuinely wonderful movie. And yeah, it do, you're right. It does, despite you saying, us claiming this is the American topic of the week, it is a lovely, it does strike a lovely balance of American characters trying to tackle a British story and it all kind of melding together in a very strange way. Yeah. At all, and all <laughs> films at Shepperton Studios. <laughs> Shepperton. Bleak. Again, never been. Just don't want to go. Have you ever filmed anything at Shepperton? No. I feel like it was always threatened. Never, yeah. never done. Oh, we're going to have to go to Shepperton. Oh, no. I don't want to go to Shepperton. I can't. Uh, I don't know how, Wait, what, what zone is, is that? What zone is it? How are we going to get out there? Let's get the overground. Wait, oh. you're going to pay for that? Oh. Wait, production. No, production has to pay for that. Yeah, I need a car. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> a bit of inside baseball chat for you there, everyone. So what is... What's the UK equivalent of the Muppets Christmas Carol? What is the UK equivalent of the Muppet Christmas Carol? <laughs> I can tell you what it is. Okay. It is Christmas Carol, the movie, a 2001 <laughs> British live action animated movie. What? Based on Charles Dickens' classic novella. I'm going to play a snippet from it and uh, you better remember this. Okay. <laughs> do you recognize this? Uh, of course I do. What is it? Uh, oh God, I can only remember the chorus. I'm just going to show you what this music video looks like. Some real... So this is the Reed Thin vocals of Miss Oscar winning Kate Winslet. What's she won an Oscar for? She's won an Oscar, hasn't Has she? she? What for? Was she in one of the Jaws movies? <laughs> Jaws 3, yeah. Hang on. Hang on, of course she's won an Oscar. Hang on. Siri, has Kate Winslet won an Oscar? I'm not sure if Kate Winslet won, but I can help you search for award wins by movie. I mean, what use is that? Okay, I can confirm Kate Winslet has won an Oscar. It was for The Reader? Oh, yeah, yeah, what yeah. What was yeah, The yeah, Reader? Yeah. Oh, I was trying to pretend that I knew. Wait, what dress did she wear when she won? Hang on. Anne Hathaway, Kate Winslet, Meryl Streep, Angelina Jolie, Melissa Leo. Yeah. Who's that? She was in The Fighter. Okay. And what dress is she wearing? Okay. It's one-shouldered. It's... Her hair is very set. It is not moving. Her hair is not moving. <laughs> and... She's just kissing people now. Turn around, Kate. Turn around. What colour oh, is it? It's black. All black. one shoulder. It's it's nice and unremarkable and pretty forgettable, much like her win for the reader. So I would say <laughs> that the yeah the UK equivalent of the US movie, The Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol, is what was it called again? Christmas Carol, the movie. How how do you feel about that? I mean, yeah, I guess. Do you remember um, other variations of the uh, Scrooge tale that exist? Mm. So there's Scrooge with Scrooged. Bill Murray. Loved Scrooge. Um, and then do you remember the 
uh, Scrooge McDuck version of Scrooge. No, but that's yeah, there great. was like a Ducktales version of of the Scrooge story, and I also used to really like that as a kid. And I think I don't know if I'm going crazy, but there's a really scary moment when <laughs> Scrooge McDuck sees his own gravestone, which is quite a lot for a kid to take in a in a Ducktales movie. Well, it's the sa- it's the same in Muppet Christmas Carol. But I'm pretty sure, and again, I might have made this up, but I feel like his grave like opens and. Scrooge McDuck almost falls into hell. Did I make that up in my twisted child mind? I mean, that's definitely definitely sounds like something that one could do in animation. Well, I'm gonna. I guess people just let me know. Yeah. In, in in the Scrooge McDuck version, does he almost fall into hell? Oh, what a lo- lovely note for our festive episode. So, the Muppet Christmas Carol, the UK equivalent is Christmas Carol, the movie. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, we are back. So, Fraser, for our festive episode, you're going to be dealing with another movie. You have a UK movie for us to deal with. What is it? So, um, with your topic, we discussed a movie that you and I both love. Yes. I'm going to be discussing a movie that I fucking hate. Let's do it. That's 2003's Love Actually. People love this movie. Okay. Actually, shout out, I should say, shout out to Aaliyah, who gave me the inspiration for bringing this movie up as a topic for this festive episode. She said, can you please provide any info on Love Actually, UK versus US, maybe a podcast topic? Um, She was like, yeah, people are obsessed. It's some people's go-to holiday movie. And she watched it with her sister, Alin. Hey, Alin. Alin and I watched it this weekend. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying. But Wow. And then she said, we also need a reminder why we don't like Hugh Grant. So there's a lot to unpack there. So Love okay, Actually. Great. So yeah, so Love Actually, it's a 2003 British Christmas-themed romantic comedy, apparently, um, <laughs> featuring an ensemble cast, predominantly British. Supposedly, according to Wikipedia, the screenplay delves into different aspects of love as shown through 10 separate stories. So I know that from talking about this beforehand, you're not actually that familiar with Love Actually, are you? You haven't watched it for a long time. I have only seen this movie once. It was quite enough. It was when it was in the cinema. Oh, 2003. Yeah, 2003. I remember going to see it in York. It was like Christmas 2003, which my my first term um, translation semester at York University. I remember leaving it in the cinema translation movie theatre. I remember thinking, oh, I really wish I was in love. I really wish I was in a relationship. <laughs> God. I know. Well, just to give you a little refresher on what happens in the movie, I thought the best thing I could do is, because I hate this film so much, I thought I'd rank each story from worst to least worst. Okay, great. Um, so we're going to start with worst story from Love Actually. Okay, cool. And that is the plotline of Juliet Peter and Mark. So this is Kira Knightley, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and Andrew Lincoln. Mm-hmm. This is their plot line. So this is basically um, Peter and Juliet get married. That's Chiwetel and Kira Knightley. Got it. And Andrew Lincoln is their videographer. And it involves one of the worst scenes, two of the worst scenes you've ever seen. One of them is that really cheesy scene where Andrew Lincoln turns up at Kira Knightley's front door with the boombox and all the um what are they called? All those big idiot board cards. Oh yeah, yeah. And he like drops them and it's like this Christmas like. I love you. Whatever. It's bullshit. But truly the worst scene is when Kira Knightley goes to his recording studio, wherever it is where he makes his wedding videos. Mm-hmm. And she's like trying to be friendly with him. And he hate, he's, he's acting like he hates her, but it's because he's, lo- he's in love with her. But basically Kira Knightley is wearing like a Baker boy cap. Her teeth are like her whole face. And she's being so annoying in that scene. She, she asks him if he wants any munchies. Do you remember? She holds up a tube of munchies. Oh. And then she watches her own wedding video and she does these kind of, I think they're ad-libs. 
and it's Keira Knightley at her worst. She goes, oh, I look quite pretty there, don't I? She's, it's just terrible. God, I forgot about those Baker Boy hats. Yeah, so they she's, so I, I put that one up there as the number one worst scene, worst storyline from Love Actually. Okay. Purely, really just resting on Kira Knightley. Okay. She's insufferable in that role. Well, Kira, I mean, I think she struggles to play anything contemporary. Like anytime like, I see her in something contemporary, I'm like, wait, what year is this? She, so if she'd she been in be... like a corset, it would have been a better role exactly. for her. Exactly, 100%. Everyone else could still be in, like, the year 2003, but she needed to be, like, in a period, uh, yeah, look. Okay, so second worst plot is Daniel, Sam, Joanna, and Carol. So this is... (laughs) These character names. (laughs) They sound like stand-in character names that they never change. So this makes me sound harsh because this is actually um, Liam Neeson, and his whole plot line is him mourning the death of his wife, which is actually very sad and actually very well acted. But we're not focusing on that. This is the plot line about his son... Sam, who is in love with this girl that he goes to school with. Do you remember this plot line? Oh, yeah. He's the kid with the really yellow teeth. Yes. <laughs> and she's, it's, she's plays, it's this American girl for some reason that's at his school. And she sings, All I Want For Christmas Is You in the pageant. And he plays the drums. And then he convinces Liam Neeson to let him drive to Heathrow to like ch- track her down to tell her that he likes her that's at Christmas. Right. And, you're like... and he runs through security. And he basically would have been shot in the head. <laughs> Second worst plot in love, actually. Oh, you cannot say that. <laughs> fine. He should have been tased. Okay, fine. I'm, I'm much happier with that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I remember getting really annoyed at that because it was like, you're a kid. Shut up. Yeah, exactly. Like, no one cares. You're a kid. You don't know what love is. And also, who is this father indulging this? Exactly. You know? No, no. So that's second worst plot. Actually, bad fathering because the kid would have been tased. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. Okay, third worst plot. Yeah. Um, this is Colin, Tony, and the American Girls. So this is uh, Colin Frizzle is the character played by Chris Marshall. Do you remember him? He was in My Family and the BT adverts. Yes, yes. <laughs> His BT, a.k.a. British Telecom, a.k.a. It's like AT&T, AT&T. that kind of thing. <laughs> so he, his is one of the most insufferable storylines where he plays a British guy who can't like find any English woman to sleep with him because he's disgusting. Oh, and yeah. his whole plot line is he flies to America to find American women and they have this really insane scene where he's in a bar in Wisconsin and all these like sexy women think that he's really attractive because he has an English accent. Because he's foreign. Yeah, and it just makes me furious. Do, and Do you want to know where that bar actually was? Where was that bar? Shepherd's and Studios. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yes. Got it in. Um, and just, I find that whole plot line just so, it's so like, he's just like, oh, I'm just British. And all these like, the joke is all these American women find him really attractive. <sighs> I think Alicia Cuthbert is one of the women. And it's just such an awful scene. And it all, the climactic moment of that is at the end of the movie, they introduce him to another one of their roommates who wants to have sex with him. And it's Shannon Elizabeth. And she's the big reveal for the end of the movie. <laughs> Very 2003. Real, real, real big budget reveal. Yeah, like, oh God, they managed to get Shannon Elizabeth. <laughs> how, how did they manage that? I'm going to just speed through these because I feel there's a lot of plots to get through. Just a really quick shout out. I don't even think he counts as a plot, but I hate, I hate a big thing of his work, which is going to get me into a lot of trouble with UK listeners. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rufus. This is Rufus, played by Rowan Atkinson, is a jewellery salesman. He features in maybe one scene of the movie where he really slowly wraps a gift and it's meant to be very funny. I hate Mr. Bean with such a fiery passion from as my, like, as a child, I hated it so much that I just felt like I needed to put Rowan Atkinson's plotline right up there with the worst of the movie. Okay, got it. Next, we have Jamie and Aurelia. This is Colin Firth. And this is just a plotline that exists completely separate in the movie where he plays a frustrated writer who moves to 
I think France, I don't care. Um, and he wants to like work on his novel after his wife has cheated on him and he falls in love with his like housekeeper that's helping him and neither of them speak the same language and the whole thing is based around the fact that they can't speak the same language. Is his wife Emma Yet Thompson? they fall in love. No, 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 his wife's cheating on him at the beginning. Okay, fine. Now we're moving into, I guess, the slightly more acceptable plot lines from Love Actually. Okay. This is David and Natalie. I feel like we're going to spend a bit of time on this one. Mm. This is Hugh Grant and National UK Treasurer Martin McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. Hugh Grant plays the Prime Minister inexplicably. Uh, Martin McCutcheon plays uh, a member of the household staff at 10 Downing Street. Yeah. Uh, you know, translation, a staff member at the White House. I think she's like a tea lady. <laughs> she pretty much is. She has like a tea trolley. Yeah, she has a it's tea like trolley. pushes around. And there's this weird sub-joke and like this weird joke throughout the whole movie about how she's fat, which is not funny. What? Yeah, do you not remember that? They're always like, oh, she's a bit fat. Who's saying that? Like other characters say it about Martin McCutcheon. But in what? Oh, like her family are saying it or something. Her family say it. They call, I think they call her like fatty or something at one point. It's very strange. Weird. Um, that's notable because of Martin McCutcheon's presence, really. But also, isn't that storyline kind of weird because the prime minister just can't help but fall in love with her. So he tries to like get her, change her job. So she ha- she has to move to like... S- to work somewhere else in Parliament or Downing Street or something. Mm-hmm. Isn't there something Maybe. like that? It's a very pre-Me Too. There's it's a... very like, oh, a man can't help fall in love well, with no, a woman, so he has the power and has to move her. Oh, no, she falls in love with him oh. because the American president comes over and they have, like, an argument, him and that. So it's like... It's Billy re- Bob Thornton, isn't Billy it? Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. And it's meant to be reflective of, I think, Bush. Is it, that, is it the Bush era? Yes. Like, yeah. Anyway, but, like, Billy Bob Thornton, as the American president, puts the moves on Marty McCutcheon, and then, like, Hugh Grant, like, defends her, and that's what, ma- that's what makes her realise that she loves him. There's also, a, there's also a strange plot where they go to a school, and then there's a child in, like, a lobster outfit. Oh, yeah. Emma Thompson's there, whatever. Um, so that's that plot line. I mean, it's fine. There's a lot of still offensive things about it, and it annoys me. But the most notable thing is that Hugh Grant dances to the song Jump, we will get to the soundtrack okay, of fine. Love Actually okay, after fine. I finished decimating the plot. Okay, speed this up. Okay, next we've got John and Judy. That's Martin Freeman, Joanna Page. They're professional stand-ins and they do, their whole plot line is that they meet and fall in love on the set of a movie, but they're stand-ins and they're naked the whole time because they're acting oh, yeah. out sex scenes. And it's actually kind of charming because it's not that important. And even though I hate Martin Freeman and I'd like Joanna Page, they just pull that off with kind of a weird charm because it's like not important in the fine. movie. Um, next is Bill Nighy um, and his storyline he plays like that washed up rock star who's released a cover of Love is All Around replaced it with Christmas is All Around and I think that's actually kind of a funny plot line (laughs) (laughs) he goes on he goes on TV and Ant and Dec play themselves in it and he says some funny things and I quite like his plot line okay we're nearly there Uh, the the second least worst plot line is Sarah Carl and Michael that's Laura Linney do you remember her part in this so Laura Linney uh, she she goes on a date with this guy that she works with in the office, played by that really sexy guy, that really sexy Rodrigo Santoro. No clue. So it's basically that she has a crush on him. They finally go on a date, but she keeps getting these phone calls that are like interrupting the date and she ends up not having sex with Rodrigo Santoro. And basically it's because it's her brother who I think is like mentally handicapped and just keeps calling her. I'm not really explaining that plot very well, but basically... It's one of those frustrating things. A lot like how Rose and Jack could have fit on the door in the Titanic. Yeah. She could have easily just silenced one call so she could have fucked the really hot guy. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. But it's still actually kind of like a nicely played one. And Laura Linney is like a really good actress, so I kind of like that plot line. Okay, fine. And then finally, the actual good plot line in it is um, Alan Rickman, uh, Emma Thompson, and 
basically it's Alan Rickman having an affair behind Emma Thompson's back, but she finds out and she has this actually amazing scene where she does some really good acting, where she cries after she realizes that the gift that she found was actually not for her, it was for his mistress. And it's just really a uh, really tragic scene and it's actually kind of sad. And, and kind of good it, acting. And how does it end, that plot? Do they um, split up? They, no, they stay together, but they look strained. <laughs> so it's kind of a really sad plot line for a Christmas movie. Do you know what my, my least favorite thing about this whole movie is? Go on. <laughs> the title. Love. Love. Uh, actually. Uh, actually. It's just so... <laughs> it's so... Uh, well, the thing I find infuriating about it as well is all of those plots that I just read out all have a connection to each other in a way that is just so tawdry and annoying. What, do they all end up at the same Christmas party? Well, they, they, they just all interweaves in a way that is ludicrous. Yeah. Featuring Pitbull. <laughs> it's a fun <laughs> joke. Um, so that's that's just really the plot, and I really hate most of it, apart from those last couple of ones. Um, let's talk about something important. Soundtrack? Let's talk about the soundtrack. Okay, get it up. Okay. So, what I will say is there is you know, which is pertinent to this podcast, a very real difference between the UK soundtrack and the US soundtrack. Oh. Let's talk about the UK soundtrack. We don't want to go through it track by track, but we're just going to get some highlights. Okay, hit me. So track one is Jump, the cover of Jump, but it's the cover by Girls Aloud, not the Pointer Sisters. So important. Whereas in the movie, it's the Pointer Sisters. We don't want that. Yeah, we want the Girls Aloud version. Now, the Girls Aloud version in the video for that song... They're in like the set of Downing Street, like jumping around and like going through windows and behind doors. Yeah. And I just, all I can remember is Cheryl's wearing like an electric blue, like cropped jacket. It's very like that period of time in 2003 when everyone had very asymmetric hairstyles and big bright plastic earrings. Yeah. Or like one feather. Yeah, oh, love one feather. <laughs> one key, maybe? One key? Okay, what else um, we got on the soundtrack? We've got Two Lost in You by the Sugar Babes. Oh, that was actually a very like big song from Love Actually. I love that song. And then just a song that, this is a real sidebar, but see track number nine, Wherever You Will Go by The Calling. Remember Ooh, that song? Yeah. If I could, then I would. So when I was at uni, this guy performed that song by The Calling in our talent show. And he won and he got to perform it at our summer ball in front of everyone. And everyone thought he was so sexy because he looked like David Beckham because he had like long, long blonde hair that he'd wear in a ponytail. And I was very, I got very overexcited by him because someone told me that he was bisexual. (laughs) And at that point I was like gagging for any kind of homo action. So as soon as I found out he was bi, I remember watching him sing The Calling. I don't know, just whenever I see that song, I'm just always, I always think of him. What happened to to that guy? I don't know. I'd love to know. His name was Jamie. Okay, so what, what do we have in the US version? <laughs> so on the US version, you've got um, you've got the Pointer Sisters version of Jump. Ugh. You know, great. Two Lost in You is bumped right down to the end of the CD. Opens with The Trouble with Lovers by Kelly Clarkson, which was in our Thanksgiving episode. That's fair. That's fair. Can't get away from that song. Yeah. And then actually most of it's kind of the same. It's just like mixed around in the, in the order. A special shout out to a song that I really hate, which is All You Need Is Love. Oh, one of the worst songs ever written. And in the movie, everyone stands up and they perform that in a church during a wedding. Kira Knightley's wedding. Do you remember that scene? Oh, it all rings a bell. But it's I insufferable. I, Someone I stands much... up with like a trumpet and plays the... <laughs> and everyone's like... <laughs> and it's inspired... Oh, that's right. It's like It starts like a sing-song. Yeah. It's, oh. it's inspired many people with no imagination to do that at their weddings forever and ever. I'm sorry, just disclaimer, if you heard that at your wedding, I do apologise, it was beautiful. I don't, I don't apologise. Much like those those cue card things you were talking about yeah. with the Kira Knightley plotline, that 
like was a real thing for a while. Yeah, see, see why I put that plot line at number one worst. Yeah, it's really it's inspired too worst. much stuff. Baker boy caps, Kira teeth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just as always, uh, which I love to do is look at just some Amazon reviews of Love Actually, and I just oh, found some people that support uh, our opinion about this movie. I'm just going to read them out to you. Great. Um, okay, this one's one star was shocked by the nudity inappropriate for viewing uh, another one star should be x-rated went in the trash this one simply just says hated it one star this one is by someone who i thought was vanessa amorosi for a second uh, but it's called vanessa amoro but um i wish it was vanessa amorosi remember her absolutely everybody 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 absolutely everybody in the whole wide world everybody needs <laughs> Vanessa Amorosi was a real key part of our friendship, wasn't she, for a while? Uh, real <laughs> um, backbone. So Vanessa Amorosi's uh, review is, Worst freaking movie ever. I have no idea why this is such a cult classic. It's the worst movie ever. Regret renting it so much. Regret renting it. In the spirit of fairness, I thought I would read one five-star review from Amazon. Are you ready for this uh, completely sane, lucid review? 100%. By someone called Adrian Skye. Like seeing light split through a prism. We see various facets of loving relationships held up and highlighted through the multiple storylines that appear disparate in the beginning, but of course inevitably come together to form a central chord. But of course. I'm not reading the rest of that, but that gives you a real idea of this person linguistically masturbating over their keyboard with as many words as they possibly can. It's like, I, I feel like a lot of people watch this movie and then when all the, the plots come together, like, oh, hang on a minute. This does all mean something. Well, this is like a prism of light. Well, love is universal, love. actually. Oh, damn. <laughs> do you think there's anyone out there who ever did like, who maybe like did media studies and ever did like a, a dissertation on love actually? Oh, I'd love it. Please. If you're, li- <laughs> if you, if you're listening and you've ever written a critical piece on love actually, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to read it. Particularly if it was written back in like 2003, 2004, <laughs> maybe handwritten, you know, <laughs> love that. So um, I was having a think about the US equivalent of love actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, got it down to two options um one of them was going to be new year's eve but i actually settled on valentine's day i mean those are both basically the same movie aren't they? exactly yeah but i I settled on valentine's day because i i hate valentine's day as much as i hate love actually so i felt like that kind of that kind of hate that went through both movies really tied them together for me in my head got it ensemble ensemble cast insufferable storylines actors at their worst um inexplicable locations taylor swift in a in a you know rare miss <laughs> in in the way that love is a central chord yes of, of those two movies tying them together your hate for both those movies really ties them together oh that's beautiful you're welcome you should write a dissertation on i that. will do i'm gonna write it in byro and if i make a mistake we'll use some tip x <laughs> You know what I mean? Like a handwritten, yeah, of course, of course. handwritten dissertation. So I guess we'll say that the US equivalent of love actually is Valentine's Day. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, you're not welcome, but fine. Actually.
Okay, we are nearing the end of our festive special, and uh, we haven't done it for a while, but we need to get back into the habit of it. That's my New Year's resolution. We're going to finish this episode with a game of Welcome Not Welcome, right. where we mention very British or very American things, and we say whether they're welcome or not, i.e. whether we like them or not, and we're going to do festive British or American things. Fraser, Welcome Not Welcome, you're up first. Welcome or Not Welcome, the Top of the Pops Christmas special. Oh, oh welcome. Welcome. I always used to get very excited when the Spice Girls were um, performing whatever their latest Christmas number one is on the Top of the Pops Christmas special. Well, speaking of which, um, it was the anniversary of Too Much being a Christmas number one, and I saw it on Instagram, and I managed for a very short period of time to convince Ryland that in the middle of Too Much, Victoria is the one that plays the saxophone. <laughs> ba, ba, na, na, ba. He did that thing where he was like, Really? Oh, hang on. <laughs> very pleased with that. Very welcome. Um, welcome or not welcome, the Christmas pickle. Oh, see, I've only just discovered about the Christmas pickle. So this is an American thing. I actually need to properly Google it. But every year, what you're meant to do is hide on your tree a pickle. Um, I'm assuming, you know, maybe in olden times it was a real pickle. I don't know. But pickles don't go bad because they're pickled. Well, naturally. It's I in mean, the title. But we have we have one on our tree. Um, let me just read that shit, the history about it. Christmas pickle ornaments. Okay, Christmas pickle is a Christmas tradition for some Americans. Just some, it says. Yeah, not all. Decoration in the shape of a pickle is hidden on a Christmas tree, with the finder receiving either a reward or good fortune for the following year. Oh, lovely. That's kind of nice. Well, who's going to find it on your tree, though? Because we all know where it is. Fabio? <laughs> welcome. Uh, welcome. Welcome or not welcome, the Doctor Who Christmas special. Not, not welcome. welcome. Fine, easy. <laughs> okay, welcome or not welcome... Christmas pudding. Not welcome. Can you talk us through a, a Christmas pud, please? I believe a Christmas pudding is a disgusting old dry fruit cake that is made at way too far in advance and soaked in alcohol for like months and months before Christmas, yeah. right? And then, is, what's it soaked in? Brandy. Brandy. I yeah, think. and then I think you inexplicably light it on fire in front of everyone well, that's the, on that's, Christmas Day. That's the only good bit of it. Yeah. It's like we would always turn off the lights and they'd like we pour brandy over it and you light the brandy, you bring it in. Yeah. So, it's, you know, there's a bit of a show, but then it's like, oh, oh and then wait a minute. Isn't, in there, a, isn't there a penny inside I was going to say, yeah. A silver, silver coin? That was just something to choke on. Wow, we really don't know anything about <laughs> Christmas, do we? <laughs> a silver coin? What am I talking about? <laughs> not welcome. You're not welcome. Welcome or not welcome, Boxing Day. I'm very glad you d you said that. Boxing Day. Very Does, welcome. Yeah, welcome. It's something that doesn't exist here in the US. It doesn't. It? No, apparently. It's the day after Christmas. Shout out to Aliyah in Montreal. She asked about Boxing Day. She's like, does it exist in the UK? I was like, sure as hell does. Yeah, and why she is was it called like, Boxing Day? Well, apparently it was something to do with, I'm not even going to look it up. I'm going to yeah. go from memory. It was something to do with, originally it's when like your staff or your servants go around with, they get the day off <laughs> and they go around with boxes and they get given gifts. Oh, great. Put in their boxes. That's probably wrong, but it's something like that. So when I was growing up, our Boxing Day tradition was that um, me and my brother, all of our friends were allowed to come over. And my mum basically would do a second Christmas dinner just for me oh. and all my friends and, and my brother's friends. And we'd have like our own day. Where all so my, nice. And it was like a drop in. Like Our friends just used to come over all day and we'd like play with our toys or like hang out. It was great. Boxing Day, we would always uh, go around to one of our friends' houses and we'd all go for a big Boxing Day night out. Oh, fun. Like a massive night out and get absolutely wasted and you'd maybe be wearing something you got for christmas you'd have like your christmas money to spend crimbo threads oh your crimbo threads i tell you what <laughs> just chuck that scarf on your neck oh my god speaking of crimbo threads 
This what? is a real diversion. Okay, what? I need to tell you about an outfit that I wore for the Millennium New Year's Eve night. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have told you before. I'm going to tell you again. I bought a special shirt for the Millennium for Y2K. It was from uh, Burton's menswear. Mm-hmm. Um, it was black and white. And the pattern on it was, um, <laughs> just in honor of Y2K, was a circuit board from a computer in black and white. But inside all of like the little things on the circuits, wow. it said like Y2K, Millennium, Millennium, Y2K, like all over it. That is so funky. It was so funky. I wore it with black school trousers and a chunky shoe. <laughs> <laughs> at midnight did it malfunction did it go yeah absolutely I got the Y2K bug <laughs> uh, I don't even know if we need to do any more after that I, I think it's just really ending the Y2K bug um, one thing I do want to do just before we go anywhere just stay there one sec okay something under the tree <gasps> what is this are you giving me a present? Yeah! Oh my god, what is this? Okay, so just to round <laughs> off our festive special, we're gonna give you a gift. Oh my god. I think Jesse's shuffling over. Oh, Jesse and Fabio are here, so here's your Christmas gift. Oh my god, what is this? You can just open it up. Hang on. Well, no, you have to read the card first. That's mm-hmm. what I was taught to do. To Fraser, spelt with an S. Not how you spell my name. <laughs> anyway, why not did to... You, why, <laughs> why did you spell his name with an S? Not to look a gift horse in the mouth. No, my dad's Fraser with an S. I'm Fraser with okay. a Z. It, I know it's... Anyway. It is very... No, con- I'm sorry, Jesse. I didn't mean to do that in the face of being given a gift. <laughs> it's very ungrateful. What is this? Hang on. Lovely Foley. What's this? Oh, some double wrapping. Oh, my God. A little something Ooh. for your new apartment. What is this? For when you when you finally Ooh. move out. Oh my god. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> you got me the gold the gold hand pump that I wanted. <laughs> so Fraser has been going on about how he wants his his bathroom in his new place to be um, have gold accessories. It's a tropical and gold theme. Tropical and gold themes. So <gasps> yeah, it is a, a gold soap pump. Oh my god, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> and some juju, juju yeah, I was gonna say this looks very nice. The hand soap that you've got me as well. Oh, so there you go. So Merry Christmas, oh, babe. Thank you so much. There I'm gonna go. hug you both when we finish recording this. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, that is the the festive episode of You're Welcome America. Thank you so much for everyone. Uh, who's been listening? Yeah, thanks to year. thanks to our friends who have listened and had to endure us doing this, and thank you to new people that have found us, which is insane that people who do not know us are listening to this yeah. nonsense. As as Fraser said, thank you to core listeners and to core nemeses. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, do get in touch. You're welcome, America. Uh, rate review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and we will see you in the future. I'll see you in 2020. 2020. I'll be wearing my 2020 shirt. <laughs> Hope it doesn't malfunction. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, wait, 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 wait. In <sighs> the words of um, uh, Anne Robinson. You forget her name every time. <laughs> Look, should I, should I give this up? Okay, this is the last time I'm going to do it. Great. Okay. We'll leave it in 2019. Leave it in 2019. And I'll come up with a new goodbye for, for 2020. In the words of Anne Robinson in a Christmas episode of uh, The Weakest Link, um, goodbye. You're so far up your mouth, I think you can smell your own sheet. Where are you from?
from, Joseph? South Shields. Ethel. Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. But let me be clear. I enjoy cooking bacon and stop working with flour.